0: Top thinkers in the Biden administration are gathering with other brain-dead mediocrities to discuss how to improve White House public relations. Popular support for the administration has fallen to the level of that scene in Dante's Inferno, where two guys are frozen together in an endless wasteland of ice, and one guy is doomed to feed on the other guy's head forever. Except in the case of people who support Biden, the two remaining guys are Brian Stelter and Adam Schiff, and Schiff's head tastes like crap, for some reason. To remedy this problem, the Biden PR team has taken a close look at out-of-control government spending, out-of-control inflation, out-of-control crime out-of-control illegal immigration, supply shortages, meaningless but oppressive Chinese virus restrictions, racist equity policies, reports of massive corruption in the Biden family's influence-peddling operation, the disaster in Afghanistan, and the attempt by a politicized Justice Department to criminalize parents for defending their children against sex-grooming perverts in public schools, and they've decided the problem is messaging. According to Biden Public Relations Director Lola Lowlife, quote, Our mission is to turn the President's approval ratings around without actually accomplishing anything or improving anybody's life. After all, if we can convince the American people that Rachel Levine is a woman, surely we can sell them on the idea that this administration is doing a great job. And when I say convince the American people, I mean win insincere applause from the 6% of the population with the largest media profiles, namely wealthy white people and their black front men, Who'll fall for any woke virtue signaling scam we come up with because it makes them feel their lives aren't moral wastelands of unearned privilege and absurd posturing ratified by blithering op-eds from the credentialed adolescents of the New York Times who still think they're shaping the culture because they never leave Park Slope, Brooklyn and travel someplace where people don't give a damn what they think, like just about everywhere outside of Park Slope, Brooklyn, unquote. In order to change America's opinion of the president from a nightmarish, open-mouthed expression of wordless horror, like in that Edvard Munch painting, The Scream, Miss Lowlife and her fellow lowlifes are experimenting with various new ways to present the administration's disastrous failures as fun, or at least not life-threatening. For instance, Miss Lowlife says they're trying out some exciting new slogans, like "Joe Biden, he's just like FDR, except corrupt and with dementia," or. Vote Democrat, because all the other communists are dead. Or Biden-Harris, there's nowhere to go but up. The PR, quote, brain, unquote, trust will also explore the possibility of producing movies and TV shows that change the president's image, as they did during the Clinton administration, with the film The American President, which showed a Democrat president as a gentlemanly lover instead of a feckless womanizer, or Independence Day, which showed a Democrat president as a fighter pilot instead of a draft dodger, or The West Wing, which showed a Democrat president as a good president instead of a Democrat president. If these strategies if these strategies don't work, the Public Relations Committee may try changing the minds of young people through music, with hep and groovy new pop songs that include lyrics like, Ooh, baby, I love me some Prez. He's nowhere near as sucky as everyone says. Things may look bad now, but just you wait, he can't live forever. He's already 80. And when he's gone, we'll still have Kamala, who's black and female, and also la-la-la-la-la. That one still needs some work. To support the new messaging efforts, White House spokeswoman Jen Psaki issued a statement saying she's sure the effort will not only stop the president's polls from slumping, but will also convince administration staffers to stay on instead of scuttling a sinking ship by splitting to start a new job at MPSNBC like White House spokeswoman Jen Psaki, who also says, see you later. (laughs) I'm Andrew Claven and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, tipsy, topsy the world is a-biddy-zing. It's a wonderful day, hoorah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hooray. hooray. Oh, hooray. All right, congratulations, you few, you happy few who made it through the Clavenless week. We are back laughing our way through the fall of the republic. We'll be talking about the hilarious reaction of the left to Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter and the fact that the left is losing its cultural power and conservatives are becoming the cool kids. How do you do, fellow kids? And... (laughs) (laughs) We at The Clayman Show are saying, yeah, daddy-o. Also, the evil Jenna Ellis is here. Poor Jenna has been getting killed on Twitter because she says she believes that Ron DeSantis uh, shouldn't punish Disney, not because she doesn't believe Disney should be punished, but she says it's bad for free speech. And, you know, we love Jenna on this show, but, uh, we, you know, I personally feel that we should uh, crush their talking animals and drive their cartoon characters before us and hear the lamentations of their princesses so she and I will fight it out in a vicious exchange of name-calling and personal cruelty, Also, you want to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts. If you get them there, give us a five-star review. That is extremely helpful to the show. Subscribe Uh, Once you subscribe here at The Daily Wire, you can also be in the mailbag, and I will answer all your questions, uh, whether they're about religion, personal life, or politics, and all my answers are guaranteed 100% correct and will change your life. Will they change your life for the better? (laughs) You'll just have to wait and see. And please subscribe to my personal YouTube channel, Andrew Claven, the Andrew Claven YouTube channel. You will get exclusive content there. Uh, there was one on recently where I played Elden Ring, uh, which was very popular, but you will get all kinds of things. And if you ring that bell, uh, you, do- only dogs can hear it, and they will uh, show up at your house and tear your furniture to pieces. Um, if you leave a comment on YouTube, and that comment is sufficiently grotesque, we will include it here on the show because that's just how we roll. Today, Mark Garner uh, says, "'Just saw something unforgivable. "'Knowles has more subscribers than Klavan. Uh, "'We need to fix this sin against the great bald one.'" Yeah, this is like, you know, "'Knowles having more subscribers than me' is kinda like people who write in and say, "'Matt Walsh is funnier than I am.'" It's just another sign that, uh, you know, this is a fallen world and Satan is the king of this world. I love steak, and everybody, everybody either loves steak or they should love steak, and some of the best steak I've ever had comes from Good Ranchers. You should shop Good Ranchers for all your beef, chicken, and seafood needs. Good Ranchers only sells 100% American meat from local farms and ranches. They have signature steak burgers and wagyu burgers that are packed full of flavor. Their pre-trimmed and pre-marinated chicken breasts are absolutely delicious and really easy for my wife to prepare. <laughs> They're better than organic. Prices for beef are only going to get higher as summer approaches, and your favorite cuts will be harder to find. Lock in your price and supply with Good Ranchers right now. Get your 30 buck discount on prime steaks and better-than-organic chicken today, go to www.goodranchers.com slash to save on the quality you've been looking for. Good Ranchers takes the guesswork out of the grocery store by sourcing everything from local farms and shipping it to your door. Use my code Claven and enjoy your box of 100% American meat and your 30 bucks savings. Order now to combat inflation with Good Ranchers American meat delivered. And I know what you're saying. Give me that steak. How do you spell Claven? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. There are no easy it is a joy and honor to begin today's program uh, on the op-ed section of the New York Times, or as we like to call it, Knucklehead Row. Oh, hey, hey,
1: oh, hey, ho. Let's go waltzing down to Knucklehead Row. <laughs>
0: so Michelle Goldberg is one of the biggest knuckleheads on Knucklehead Row. She's a total by-the-book leftist feminist. And she has got a real problem. She is getting red-pilled in real time. She doesn't know this yet. I'm I'm just telling you this because I can see it happening to her. She's getting red-pilled in real time. But, of course, if she takes the pill, she loses everything. She'll lose her job. She'll lose her friends. Who knows? She may even lose her, her marriage if she suddenly sees that what well, she's not allowed to see right that the conservatives are in the right and everything that the new york times has been selling is untrue she's like safe cipher in the matrix remember that he's the guy who has to who doesn't take the red pill he says no i want to go back into the matrix because it's more fun to live in a fantasy so she's going to have to do that too the other day on the show we read her op-ed in which she talk started to understand she started to get this glimmer that promiscuity might not be that good for women you know, feminist promiscuity might not be that good for women. It's almost as if conservatives had been right about this all the time. But see, leftists can never say that. They they just kind of move on as if we never said anything. But they just suddenly think, like, you know, maybe God is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy You know, why has nobody ever thought of that before? So remember now, uh, I read this piece by Michelle Goldberg where she said— that a a woman uh, was upset because her boyfriend was strangling her during sex, but she didn't know if it was judgmental to tell him that she didn't like being strangled. You know, that's how far feminists have convinced women. It's like the old days, men used to seduce women by saying, you're being cruel when I'm burning for you. How could you be so cruel as to turn me away? And women would fall for that because women are designed to fall for things or else the race dies. So (laughs) so now they're falling for this, you know, be non-judgmental. Oh, you want to strangle me? Okay. You know, you want to murder me? I don't want to say anything. I don't want to say it So now that was before. Now Michelle Goldberg has realized the worst possible thing is happening. The thing, the one thing that they thought could never happen, which is that the left is no longer cool, and we on the right are. She's got a column called "The Awful Advent of Reactionary Chic." I mean, what could be? They're wrong about everything. The one thing they've got is they've got like SNL is for them, and Hollywood is for them, and the you know, and the Met Gala. The Met Gala is now called gilded glamour. That's their theme, gilded glamour. So that's for them. You want to see how fancy your dress can be when you write tax the rich on it. All this stuff is old. It's boomer stuff, right? So it's it's the conservatives who are now hepcats and groovy, right? So she quotes, all, all she does is she quotes articles about this from other places because she can't leave her apartment uh, that, and go outside. Then she wouldn't be a New York Times journalist, So here's what she says. She says, according to Vanity Fair, the conservative movement, quote, has become quietly edgy and cool in new tech outposts like Miami and Austin and in downtown Manhattan, where new rightish politics are in, and get this, signifiers like a demure cross necklace have become markers of transgressive chic. Now, this is, I mean, this is really dangerous. If believing in God, if believing in Jesus Christ becomes cool, the left— Is finished. You know, it's like first we find out that sleeping with people. Isn't such a good idea with that promiscuity isn't such a good idea? And then next we find out that sex is for marriage. What will we do then? So, all right, it goes on. It's pretty clear, she says, that there's cultural energy in the opposition to the progressive norms and taboos that are derisively called wokeness. The BuzzFeed news writer, Joseph Bernstein, captured this energy in a March article about an anti-woke New York film festival funded by Peter Thiel and headed by a black queer provocateur provocateur named Trevor Bazile, call it, if you must, a vibe shift, says BuzzFeed, a new generation of internet-native tastemakers, like many of the people uh, crowded into Bazile's party, who find the moralistic gatekeeping of millennials all a bit passé. This vibe shift was predictable when the left becomes grimly censorious, it incubates its own opposition. The internet makes things worse, giving the whole world a taste of irritating progressive sanctimony. Now, she pretends this is only happening online because this is the thing, you know, the the left will say, yeah, I don't agree with that either. I just vote for them. I vote for them. But I'm voting for Joe Biden because he's going to bring normalcy back, you know, and then it all becomes left. It all becomes left wing. Joe uh, Joe Biden is just the mask of leftism that the Democrat Party has. Has put on, and he doesn't even know he's there anymore. She goes on to say, I suspect this shift where we're hip, where conservatives are the hip people, can last only so long as the right isn't in power nationally. Eventually, an avant garde flirtation with reaction will collide with the brutish Philistine reality of conservative rule. You brutish Philistines! You, you brutish Philistines! Maybe we should use the old word for Philistine, which was Palestinian, uh, which is actually with the translation of that. But she's not judgmental or woke herself or anything. She just thinks you're a brutish Philistine. For and also, by the way, by the way, you can't possibly have original ideas. You can't possibly actually be cool because you're just reacting to them. You're just rea- That's all. You don't have any ideas of your own. You're just reacting to them. She goes on, more knucklehead. She says, in the short term, however, it's frightening to think that backlash politics could become somehow fashionable. It's all backlash. It's just a reaction to them. It's nothing fresh. It couldn't possibly be time-tested truths that keep coming back, the the gods of the copybook heading that have returned She goes on, she says, especially given how stagnant the left appears in New York magazine. Uh, Sam Adler-Bell recently wrote about a dispiriting lull in progressive movement building. There appears almost no grassroots energy or urgency of any kind on the Democratic side. The one thing the left could count on, says Michelle, in recent years is its cultural capital. What happens if our cultural capital is squandered? What indeed? Here's Michelle's problem, though. You can't be cool if you're uncool. You can't be cool if every opinion that's not yours is evil. That is the opposite of cool. Being cool means being able to take it everything as it comes, to take each person as he comes, to take the changes of life, the craziness of American life as it comes. Every single person who walks into the Daily Wire from the left comes to me. I don't know why me, but they always come to me and say, everybody's so nice here. Everybody's so nice here. Dave Rubin came over from the left, uh, from the left to the right because he said we were much more welcoming to gay people than the left was. If you are not cool, if you are not cool, you can't be cool. And you know the thing is, you know, these these guys are not liberals. All the liberals are on the right now. All the liberals are on the conservative side. By liberals, I mean people who want America to be free. If you want America to be free, it's got to be moral. If you want to be moral, it's going to have to have some version of God because that's the way you get to morality. You can't—people who are moral—plenty of people are moral without having God, but they're just— being tugged along in the wake of the God movement. You need that little, that little cross is a little bit of a, you know, a counter-cultural gesture. But the thing is, I, I can deal with liberals. I can deal with liberals in a spirit of love. I can compromise with liberals. I can compromise with people who want a little bit of a welfare state. And we can debate about how much there's going to be. But the left, the wokesters, they have got to go because they are just uncool. So cryptocurrency is the new thing. It might be the future of money, who knows? But it's an exciting investment opportunity the question is, what do you do about taxes? With an Alto Crypto IRA, you can trade crypto like Bitcoin and avoid or defer the taxes. Get into investing in crypto and do it in a tax advantage retirement account. Alto's Crypto IRA is the easy way to get crypto into an IRA. Trade all you want without the tax headache. Create an account in just a few minutes and invest with as little as 10 bucks with no setup charges. Get secure trading 24-7 through Alto's integration with Coinbase. There are 150 plus coins available, including Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Cardano. Want some sushi swap with your Bitcoin? No problem. Alto has you covered. They have industry-leading security, the advanced encryption standard for wallets and private keys, plus there are multiple ways to fund your account, make a cash contribution, transfer cash from an existing IRA, or roll over an old 401k. Open an Alto crypto IRA account with as little as 10 bucks. Just go to altoira.com Andrew. That's A L T O. IRA.com slash Andrew. Start investing in cryptocurrency today. Go to Alto. slash Andrew. So now that conservatives are the the cool kids, I think that uh, we can all agree. Obviously, that I am the the mascot of cool. I think I am the, the uh, obvious the obvious leader of the hepcat uh, groovy uh, conservative. Party, uh, and I, I can say authoritatively, as in that position, as king of cool, uh, I think I can say that the coolest thing about America is free speech, right? Because free speech indicates the fact that we get it. You know, we get it. People are different. People disagree. You have one opinion. I have another opinion. Just stay away from my kids. You know, that's it. Other than that, we're cool, right? If you want to see the essence, the definition, the heart, the absolute model of uncool. All you have to do is look at the insane way. I mean, (laughs) it is insane way that the left reacted to Elon Musk when Twitter took his offer. He got financing for like a $44 billion offer. I think he just takes that out of his piggy bank. He just opens his piggy bank and takes that out. And here is what Elon Musk says uh, that he wants to do on Twitter. It's not that he wants hate speech to thrive. Uh, Here's what he says. Cut 31.
1: In a case where there's perhaps uh, a lot of controversy, uh, that you would not want to necessarily promote that tweet. If uh, you know, so the, I'm, not, I'm not saying this is that I have all the answers here, um, but I, I, I do think that we want to be just very reluctant to delete things ban- and, and have um, just just be very cautious with with, with per- permanent bans. Uh, you know, t- timeouts I think are better or, uh, than, than than sort of permanent bans. And um, uh, but just just in general, like I said, I'll, I'll, how, how it won't be perfect. But I think we wanted t- to really uh, have, like I said, the perception and reality that speech is as free as reasonably possible. And a good sign as to whether so- there is free speech is uh, is is someone you don't like allowed to say something you don't like
0: someone you don't like allowed to say something you don't like is the essence of free speech and it's also by the way the essence of cool i mean that is what makes you cool when you can live in a world where someone you don't like says things that you don't like right so that that's all he's talking about he's you know he, we all sort of agree that we don't want people slinging uh, racial slur slurs at one another but any opinion remember Any opinion that you want to say, you should be able to say uh, on Twitter or any other social media. So let's look at the way the left just heard. You just heard what he said out of the words of the mouth of the guy who's now going to own Twitter. Here is Scott Galloway, the former anchor from the former CNN Plus, maybe the quickest job in human history. Here is what he heard when Elon Musk said this. This is cut five. I think he he uses the first amendment
1: as some blanket uh call sign to rally people on the right which absolutely makes no sense um and also uh, i would argue you can make an argument there should be less moderation and it could be a free for all uh, i don't think that works i think people get sick of that they get sick of the abuse they get sick of the false uh information so i get the question is when you say what does you not get what I guess what we don't get is, what exactly does Mr. Musk want to do on the platform that he can't do right now? Hmm. He's been profane around elected U.S. senators. He's accused an innocent man of being a pedophile. He's posted Hitler memes. You know, what does he want to do, Harry? Does he want to kill a puppy on Twitter Spaces Live? What exactly is he being constrained from doing? I don't, very few of us woke up this morning and said, finally, I can express myself on Twitter. Oh,
2: boy. Boy, crazy boy, get cool, boy. Got a rocket in your pocket.
0: Keep coolly cool, boy. <laughs> yeah, cool down, Scotty boy. Cool down. Da- you know what? I I think I'm. Gonna, I need to. I may have some s- sunglasses in my um, suitcase here because I'm leaving town. Uh, you know, I think I'm. Since I am the mascot of cool, I should probably do this entire show uh, in my my cheaters in my shades. Um, You know, (laughs) Elon Musk says, I want to have as much free speech as possible. I want people, uh, I don't like to be able to say things that I don't like. And he says, what does he want to do? Kill puppies? And here's, of course, on The View is Sonny Hostin with uh, uh, always, cut 17, always the most original thing to say.
3: Twitter is not the real world. And in fact, on Twitter, it is predominantly straight white men. So when Elon Musk says, wow, this is about free speech, it seems to me that it's about free speech of straight white men. And so let them have it. Let them just go at it. I enjoy the block button on Twitter. Breeze it, buzz it, easy does it. Turn off the juice,
2: boy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> come on! Am I still wearing my? I am. That's- <laughs> I forgot. I'm a, a little old. I forget. Uh- <laughs> so, so she, how could she possibly? That was so original. To accuse him of being a white male. This is, by the way, an African American, Elon Musk. But to accuse him of being a white male, I've never heard that before. That's so original. You know, that's the other aspect of cool. Coolness is original. It's saying fresh things, new things, different things. You know, like, that's, when, when, when a leftist accuses you of being a racist, it's like, wow, wow, man. I mean, just, wow, it's like hallucinatory. I've never heard anything like that. The best one, the best one, the king of, Left-wing uncool is Ari Melber at MSNBC. This is his reaction to what horrible things might come if Elon Musk takes over Twitter.
2: If you own all of Twitter or Facebook or what have you, you don't have to explain yourself. You don't even have to be transparent. You could secretly ban one party's candidate or all of its candidates, all of its nominees. Or you could just secretly turn down the reach of their stuff and turn up the reach of something else. And the rest of us might not even find out about it till after the election. Elon Musk says this is all to help people because he is just a free speech, philosophically clear, open minded helper. Go, man, go. But not like a yo-yo schoolboy. boy. Just play it cool, boy.
0: Real cool. Yeah, Daddy, I'm got. This is getting a little ridiculous. I'm going to take these off. But, but you know, he says basically that that Elon Musk might do exactly what Twitter is doing right now. You know, I gained when when it the deal was signed or sealed. It wasn't signed, but when it was sealed between Elon Musk and Twitter, I gained about twelve thousand followers in a twenty four hour period. Every conservative was having the same experience. Why? Because the algorithm was blocking us. It was tamping us down. It was muting us. And they basically were shredding paper before the new boss comes in, right? (laughs) We don't have to get rid of the algorithm. Elon Musk wants to open the algorithm so we can see what they're doing, which is what Jack Dorsey had originally planned as well. You know, the left, only it's only a culture war to the left if we're fighting back. That's the only the only time they admit it's a culture war. They come out and say, oh, you know, we're gonna queer your kids. We're gonna teach your kids that they're the wrong gender. Uh, we're gonna teach them that if they're white, they're racist. And anybody who dissents, we're gonna uh, penalize them. We're gonna silence any dissent. And we say, don't do that. And we're in a, how did we get into this culture war? How did this happen? And they go, I mean, here is here are the libs of TikTok, uh, uh, 24. This is a little bit of a compilation of of liberals reacting to Elon Musk, taking away their privilege. It's their privilege to silence conservatives because everything they say is progress and everything that we say is reaction, right? It's just like we started this with Michelle Goldberg's column, oh, they're reactionary, they're Philistines, they're fil- brutish Philistines. But we're not censorious, it's only censorious online. So a couple of people may be over the line, but you know, they're they're they're, they're They're judgmental, some judgmental on the left. But I'm just saying that everybody on the right is a brutish Philistine. Here's the libs of TikTok.
1: Elon Musk, this is directly to you. Enjoy Twitter. I just deactivated mine. I will not be reactivating it. Enjoy. I deactivated my account and deleted the app. That's what I think of it. Elon Musk. Today, Twitter has announced that they've been bought by... Elon Musk, or however you say his name. Um, I'm not interested in staying on Twitter anymore because of this. And I think there's a lot of people that are about to leave. So I just wanted to let everyone know that you can find me here. I'm going to also share this on Twitter before I deactivate my account so that anyone who wants to follow me can find me here as well.
2: Hey, I did a thing today. I deactivated my Twitter account. You can, too. Boy, boy, crazy boy. Get cool. <laughs> Just
0: stop. <laughs> That's enough, enough. Stop playing that. I like the woman who said uh, Musk, however you pronounce it. It's M-U-S-K. How else it? Muske. I don't know how else you pronounce it. In the year 2022, you do not need to be wasting time at the auto parts store. What does that mean? You didn't need to do it in 2021 either. You don't need to do it in 2020 or in 2023. Go to rockauto.com. Why? Because at rockauto.com, you can get all the parts you need for your car and and you get to say rockauto.com. Why sit in your car and pretending pretend that it drives? and then pretend to go down to the auto parts store, we can just go on your computer, go to rockauto.com, go to their easy-to-use catalog, get all the parts you need at great, great prices. Plus, when you say rockauto.com, women will flock around because they know you're not going to just sit in that stupid car, which isn't rolling. They know you know where to get great auto parts, and you know where to get them at a good price. Fair price. Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck in the reliably cheap, low prices. Write Claven in there. How did you hear about us, box? So they know how I sent you. Now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh boy, car parts and babes. <laughs> how do I spell Claven? <laughs> it's K L A V A N. So if it were just these crazies, if it were just these media people who can't see themselves, if it's just the libs of TikTok, you know, complaining, that would be one thing. But The attempt to stop Elon Musk from allowing conservatives to speak, and that's what we're talking about, was vast. I mean, the Europeans were issuing warnings. You have to follow the EU rules. Uh, Elizabeth Warren was saying we have to new rules. The Senate Democrats are planning, uh, talking about calling Elon Musk in to, to grill him. But best of all, I think, is the uh, is the announcement that the Department of Homeland Security has created a disinformation governance board, the Ministry of Truth. This is what we, you know, I always tell you that there's only free speech and speech governed by the powerful there's no there's nothing in between if you have the power to silence speech you have more power than the person who is speaking so there's only free speech and speech governed by the powerful so here is the ministry of truth right out of 1984 they the government is going to tell us what disinformation is so just to put the absolute cherry on top of the a, a fascist cupcake. They have Nina Jankowicz is going to be on the board. And Nina Jankowicz is, is one of the people who militated against publishing the Hunter Biden laptop story, uh, who said, you know, basically that this is Soviet disinformation, that this is a lie and all this, did everything she could to kill that story. And now is sending out TikTok videos Like this one, Uh, unbelievable, Uh, unbelievable. Why do fascist women think that they're so cute? I don't know, but this is a TikTok video she put out about disinformation, cut 35.
4: Information laundering is really quite ferocious. It's when a huckster takes some lies and makes them sound precocious. By saying them in Congress or a mainstream outlet, so. Disinformation's origins are slightly less atrocious.
0: It's how you hide a little hide a lie. It's how you hide a little hide a lie. It's how you hide a little hide a lie when Rudy Giuliani shared that intel
4: from Ukraine. Or when TikTok influencers say COVID can cause pain. They're laundering disinfo and we really should take note and not support their lies with our wallet, voice or
2: vote.
0: (laughs) It's like somebody has to tell these communists they're just not as cute as they think they are. The lawyer, the Twitter lawyer, the top Twitter lawyer, Vijaya Gade, uh, called a virtual meeting with the policy and legal teams—this is from uh, Politico—to discuss what the new ownership could mean. And she cried during the meeting as she expressed concerns about how the company could change. This is the woman who basically made the decision to kill the Hunter laptop story, to knock the president of the United States off of Twitter while uh, you know Ayatollahs could go, go on there and talk about uh, killing all the Jews, but they wouldn't get rid of Donald Trump. They said they Ayatollah has to stay on because he is a head of state, but Donald Trump is just the president, we can get rid of him. So she's crying, but I was there and I've got those leftist tears. And oh boy, they do taste good. Uh, so, so here's the thing. We know that this is who they are and we know what they do. We know what they do. You know, th- just this week, Steve Martin, 1970s, right? Did, there was a King Tut exhibit. I remember it. Uh, they brought over this stuff, uh, King Tut's tomb. that was just beautiful. And they took it around and it was a really big thing. It was a really big thing. And Steve Martin, who was an art collector, a very sophisticated guy, did a, uh, a routine about the fact that it was com- they were commercializing King Tut. And he showed up, if you're not watching, he showed up in this hilarious-looking King Tut outfit, and he made the speech on Saturday Night Live.
1: I think it's a national disgrace the way we have commercialized it with <laughs> trinkets and toys, T-shirts and posters. And about three months ago, I was up in the woods and I wrote a song. I tried to use the ancient modalities and melodies. I would like to do it for you right now. Maybe we can all learn something from this. Now, when he was a young man, he never thought he'd see people standing in to see the boy king. king How'd you get so funky?
2: Did you do the funky? <laughs>
0: it's a classic Steve Martin routine. He's dancing around like an Egyptian, like an Egyptian hieroglyph. Now, this trends on Twitter. Because they say people are discussing whether this was cultural appropriation. is 1978. Steve Martin, obviously making fun of the commercialization of this thing. But never mind. Who cares what he's doing? He's making jokes. They're trying to, in other words, Twitter put this up there. Nobody was talking about this. Nobody is talking about this. They took it down right away. Media tries to back them up. They run a headline that says, Stephen Martin Stephen Martin, well, you got to be formal when the guy's dressed up like an Egyptian king. Stephen Martin's King Tut sketch from 1978 sparks Twitter debate on cultural appropriation. Now, I'm on Twitter. I didn't see any damn uh, debate about this. They couldn't quote anything in the article. They found, like, two people. It's it's utterly ridiculous, and they do this all the time. On that trending thing—and this has also stopped since Elon Musk closed the deal— On the trending thing, when you see Ben Shapiro, when you see Matt Walsh, it's because they're being attacked. When you see a leftist, it's because he's being praised. That's every single time. There's no such thing as a conservative issue coming up uh, with a— with people being supportive of that issue. There's only stuff garbage like this. The same thing is happening at Amazon, which is really dangerous because Amazon sells most of the new books. I mean, like 90% of the new books published in this country. If, if Amazon is being run by book burners, we are in serious, serious trouble. And this is one of the reasons I, I feel that, that the government has a right to force corporations to allow free speech. That This is an important thing that they have the right to do. You know, there is an author, a, an LG this is it's terrible it's an LGBTQ author Uh, his name is Matt Walsh I think uh, and he has this book, uh, Johnny the Walrus. You can get it at johnnythewalrus, uh, dot com. about a little boy or girl or whatever. I wouldn't read this stuff, but, you know, I don't read LGBTQ stuff. Uh, y- you know, that's awful. But, uh, <laughs> but, no, it's about a little boy who thinks he's a walrus and whether or not he can become a walrus. And ultimately, he's convinced to be himself, which is a good message. But over at Amazon, oh, my gosh. This is this is a, a an executive at Amazon holding a meeting, uh, cut 11.
3: The... Uh, recommendations that this customer received and that other customers frequently reach out to us about that they're receiving it's about a book called Johnny the walrus and I want to be very clear the next two are about books and I saw someone say oh joy we're gonna talk about one of them because it's been it's been a very traumatic experience for transgender Amazonians and our transgender customers what I don't want to come out of this is um. slamming the books team uh with a bunch of tickets they're already aware of this there there are things in the space that are happening um but johnny the walrus is a bit of a problematic book uh not a bit it is it is not a bit of a problem it's one hell of a problem
0: it's a big big problem wait till you hear what he says about matt's uh, you know, this is a Matt Walsh, this is a top LGBTQ author with a cardigan and everything. And he's got a documentary coming out called um, What is a Woman? And this is what this guy says about that. Jamie Lee shared some information with me
3: <laughs> about the, the movie, um, the documentary that's going along with it. But people are already talking about it. He tricked. It was very much that style, tricking transgender people into participating, not understanding what they were participating in and it's called what is a woman um one man's journey to answer the question i mean like does like like let's just back up for, for a second and say does a man even belong in this conversation no he doesn't but guess what we're not it's not even on sale yet and it's number one in women's studies
5: and and number one in the other categories um that it's available in as well
0: yeah, this, so, this is chief mansplaining. Oh, I take issue with that. This thing costs us a bundle. <laughs> no, it's not, not cheap mansplaining. This is very expensive mansplaining. This is a guy who does not even think that men should be allowed to talk about women because that's mansplaining. This is a guy running the biggest bookseller in the world. I mean, this, these guys are fascists, they are, you know, and I shouldn't say that because what they are is communists. You know, it's not, fascists aren't the only bad ones. But you cannot be cool if you are uncool. You cannot be cool if you cannot let people say what they have to say. You know, if you you want free speech, you gotta let people you don't like say things you don't like. And if you're a bookseller, that is especially true because there are a lot of books that say things you don't like. It, you know, I'm kidding around about us being the cool kids, and we are the cool kids now, <laughs> it's, oddly enough, but we're only the co- cool kids because they, the left, the censorious, small-minded, misguided left, are incredibly uncool.
2: Breeze it, buzz it, easy does it. Turn off the juice, boy.
0: All right, you already know about the Ring doorbell. Anyone comes to your door, no matter where you are, you can talk to them, see them on your phone, on the Ring app on your phone. That's terrific. You know about the Ring Alarm system, which will protect your home, and it's incredibly easy to set up. I've done it. It can You can do it easily. But now you want to find out about Ring Alarm Pro. Ring Alarm Pro is a next-level security system that CNET calls a giant leap for home security. After using it, you're going to agree Ring Alarm Pro helps protect your entire home and the Wi-Fi it runs on. With Ring Alarm Pro, Ring combined a home security system and a Wi-Fi router, so it helps protect your home and your network. You'll have a secure network and a crazy strong signal for all the devices across your home, and I'm sure you've got plenty of them, so do I. Now, when you're out or traveling, everything at home is protected and connected, and it'll stay that way with a Ring Protect Pro subscription which is an amazing deal, by the way. You get professional monitoring for the ultimate peace of mind. If anything happens, professional monitoring will call and can request emergency services. You may not have known about this, but it's true. Ring has an award-winning alarm system, and it has gone pro. Ring Alarm Pro. To learn more, go to ring.com forward slash clavin. That's ring.com forward slash clavin. Anyone comes to your home, no matter where you are, ask them how do you spell Claven? and this is what they should say. There are no So while we're talking about free speech, a really important case came before the Supreme Court. I think uh, one of the most important cases has come up, not maybe as important as the Roe v. Wade case, but I'm reading this off the Wall Street Journal. Supreme Court justices Monday tussled over the line between permitted private prayer by a public school employee and prohibited coercion of students to join in religious exercise in a case from Bremerton, Washington. It's near Seattle, I think, that could reset the boundary between church and state on campus. At issue is Bremerton High School football coach Joe Kennedy's post-game practice of taking a knee to pray on the 50 yard line, win or lose, sometimes with players coming over to join him. And it should Mentioned that players from both uh, sides, from both teams, would come over to join him sometimes. Mr. Kennedy, a Christian, says he feels compelled to praise God, but played no favorites with the students who participate in the prayer sc- circle. In the uh, just before the case came before the court, um, Kennedy, the coach, made his case in an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal. I'm going to read a little bit of it uh, because it's it's really interesting. He says, the Bremerton High School athletic director uh, hired me because of my experience training Marines to work as a team. He says, as I weighed the opportunity, I watched the movie Facing the Giants. It seemed an answer from God. I committed to coaching football and promised God that I would take a knee by myself in quiet prayer at the 50-yard line following every game, win or lose. Over the years, this is that's important, by the way, because I know in Sports Illustrated and places where they think they're very cool and very sophisticated, they're always saying, oh, you know, you're praying to win a game, but that's not what athletes pray for. They pray for excellence. They pray for that they can do their best job. Uh, they pray that it's a great game, that their team performs well, but nobody prays to win a football game because they know that God is not really taking sides in the football game, and who knows, he may have money on the other team. Uh, he says, over the years, my prayers developed into motivational talks, in which I led players who chose to join me in prayer. When the school district eventually told me to stop doing that, I did. My commitment with God didn't involve others. It was only to pray by myself at the 50-yard line after each game. But then the school district got lawyers involved and they kept shifting the goalposts every time I complied. Eventually, they said I had to refrain from any, quote, demonstrative religious activity, unquote, visible to students or the public. They suggested instead I walk across the field, up the stairs, across a practice field, into the main school building, down the hall, and into the janitor's office if I wanted to pray after games. You know, as we never treat Religious people never treat atheists this way. I mean, atheists are so afraid of God. They're so afraid of the power of God that they got to I don't even want to say it. I can't say it. Go away. Go away. Uh, he says, I thought, the coach says, I thought that would send a message that prayer is something bad that has to be hidden. I couldn't send that message, so I simply asked to continue praying quietly on one knee at the 50-yard line after each game. Uh, two days after my last post-game prayer, the school suspended me Uh, even though they acknowledged there was no evidence that students had been directly coerced to pray with him uh, and that I had complied with its directives not to intentionally involve students. And the school then gave me the first negative evaluation of my file, adding do not hire, and he refused to go back. So a lot of this, of course, started uh, with a parent, Jennifer Chamberlain, who is now on the board of the Bremerton City uh, Town Council, I think, uh, yeah Bremerton City Council uh, and she is a classic one of these atheists who just cannot is threatened by the existence of prayer anywhere the existence of worship anywhere and feels that this is a violation of the separation of church and state a a principle that does not exist in the Constitution uh, the wall between church and state uh, is is a from a letter by Thomas Jefferson it is not in the Constitution what is in the Constitution is that you have a right to the establishment of a religion, you have the right to uh, worship, to follow your religion, and not just privately, you have the right, right to live out the meaning of your creed. But here's Jennifer Chamberlain uh, complaining.
4: What he really wanted was to do his prayer on the field to grandstand his prayer under the stadium lights. It was to bring attention to himself and his Christian prayer in you know a facility that's paid for by the taxpayers during a school-sponsored event. I was gravely concerned about students, uh, whether on the football team or students speaking out, students at the high school who do not identify as Christian being harassed because of my previous experience and not having any adult support.
0: Now I have to say the decisions that the court has made have been very, very confusing, but they have been interpreted uh, often to mean that you have to, you can't have any display of any kind of religion in anything that has anything to do with the government, uh, which is just not true. But what has happened is the ACLU goes around and other powerful entities go around and sue people, and they can't afford to defend themselves, so they just take down the display. But this guy fought back, so the case goes before the Supreme Court, and we'll just play. This is I'm, I took this off a PBS report of this, which was pretty. Fair, I thought. Um, and here is uh, Brett Kavanaugh questioning the attorney for the school.
1: How far does that go? A Do, you know, coach uh, does the sign of the cross right before the game. Uh, is that, could a school fire the coach for the sign of the cross right before the game? If the coach is doing it
2: while not making himself the center of attention at the center of the field, it's perfectly fine. I
1: don't know how we could write an opinion that would draw a line based on not making yourself the center of attention as the head coach of a game.
0: And here is uh, Elena Kagan, and I use her because uh, she is one of the smarter Left this, even though her vote is reliable, she is uh, uh, at least open to having the argument. She's questioning Kennedy's attorney.
3: There is overt discrimination on the basis of religion, as is evidenced in the record here, by school districts who aren't evil. It's just they're doing it out of misguided endorsement concerns.
5: There must be countless times when a coach in the post game talk or uh, a teacher in math class where people would totally believe them if they said, I'm doing this as as just me. Now, that seems to me to be coercive of 16-year-olds regardless if they know that it's him and not the school district.
0: I, I seriously believe this is one of the most important issues facing us, uh, not because I believe that people can't, you know, people can be religious and small-minded and mean and very unchristian, but I, I think that there, this has been an attempt to take prayer out of the public square. And here, here's a couple of things about this. And part of this I get from arguments made by Antonin Scalia. Like Scalia said, the government cannot choose between religions or among religions but it can choose between God and not God. It can choose between religion and irreligion. I think this is incredibly important for the simple reason that our rights come from God. Our rights are ensured by God. This is in the uh, Declaration of Independence. Abraham Lincoln said the Declaration is the uh, philosophy behind the Constitution. It says we are endowed by our Creator, with certain rights, and it seems to me if that is the axiom of the country, I call this the axiomatic god of freedom, because if this is the axiom, meaning the unprovable basis of everything else you believe, then you have to accept the axiom. That doesn't mean you can be forced to believe in it, but you can be essentially forced to accept it as the axiom of the country. You don't have to believe in God, obviously, but you have to say, in this country, we believe that our rights come from God, and therefore I have to accept Act as if this axiomatic God exists, and I think that this is the target of the left and of atheists in taking this out of the public school. I think this man has the right to pray on the 50-yard line. If they can show that he coerced people to pray, if they can show that he penalized people for not praying because he's specifically a Christian, then... Yes, I think that you can say you have acted wrongly and you can be fired. I think that should be very, very clear. But if he just goes and prays or even allows time for prayer and has a moment of silence and says, here's a moment of silence, pray if you will, I think that that should be thoroughly legal. And I think the court has messed this up. They have stumbled over this again and again. I don't think it's as complicated an an issue once you understand that there is an axiomatic God of freedom, that the reason we have freedoms is because we're endowed by God. I think that this is something we should really push back on uh, and really start to legislate about because once you let God out of the public square, we have no argument. There isn't, you know, this is that argument uh, I've had with people before, where they say, "Well, we can't base it on God because not everybody believes in God." Doesn't matter whether they believe; they have to pretend, they have to act as if this axiomatic God of freedom exists, because without him, there is no argument with freedom. Without God, there is no freedom. It is just the truth. Because after that, if there's no basis where we can say Be to this line, but no further, then our rights just come from government. Our rights are just a privilege a, that government has granted us. If we come to government with rights that the government is established to protect, that's a very different story. And you can see this overseas. You can see it in in free countries like Britain uh, and and France and Germany where they do not have our free speech because they do not have our First Amendment and they do not have that uh, idea that the First Amendment is based on, that we are endowed by God with our rights. I think that axiomatic God of freedom is something that the Supreme Court ought to discover and ought to protect. Many people say to me, you look like a small business. And in fact, I am. I am a small b- business. I sell what I make. You have to know how to market to be a small business. Constant Contact is a digital marketing platform that helps small businesses and nonprofits of all sizes build grow, and succeed. With email marketing, contact management, industry-leading list growth tools, social media ads, and more, Constant Contact helps small businesses connect with customers, find new ones, and sell online, all from one easy-to-use platform. They've been trusted by millions of businesses to help improve their marketing. With a 97% deliverability rate, you can rest assured that your customers and potential customers are getting the right message at the right time. With a simple interface, Constant Contact's easy-to-use platform makes contact- management easier than ever. Their list growth tools help you find a bigger audience fast. Lead generation landing pages, text to join, and social media ads are proven to grow your list and drive engagement with your brand. With thousands of integrations, you can sync Constant Contact's tools with the tools you're already using. Powerful ad automation tools help you send the right message to the right person at the right time. To start your free digital marketing trial today, visit ConstantContact.com. That's ConstantContact.com. So how did the left get so uncool? Because let's face it, in the 60s they were the cool kids and they are, they're truly not anymore. They're censorious, they're mean. It's not just it is power and power does corrupt and power does strip you of your cool and power turns you into the brutal philistines that they are, the br- brutish philistines. I don't want to misquote them. They're, they are brutish philistines. But the vehicle by which they have exercised this power and by which this power has taken them over is theory. And this is something I really want to talk about more in the weeks to come, is the nature of these theories that they now throw out. And we don't even know what we're hearing sometimes uh, and where they come from. And I want to just go back even before theory, uh, you know, when when the religion started to pass from Western culture, when what has come to be known as the death of God, which is after the Middle Ages, the coming of modernity, and then the coming of post-modernity, uh, people started to try, they had to try to explain human behavior in purely materialist ways, right? Because there was no God, uh, there was nothing to talk about but us, our brains, our, our bodies. Uh, in the Middle Ages, you had theologians Catholic theologians, obviously, developing the idea of human psychology as an interchange between man and God. If you go to Aquinas, I'll, I'll read a little bit of Aquinas. He says, human virtues, human virtues perfect man insofar as man is naturally moved by reason in the things that he does within or without. Higher perfections must therefore be in man by which he is disposed to be moved. By God, and these perfections are called gifts. And what Aquinas essentially said was that, yes, you, you have reason, you have moral sense. You couldn't be moved to do moral uh, things if you didn't have a moral sense, but in order to perfect that moral uh, sense, in order to grow in your moral understanding, you had to have an interchange with God, which you received by having faith in God, which then implanted the Holy Spirit within you. I, I think I'm getting Aquinas basically right there. Uh, if, if you believe in the same way that if you see a rainbow, the rainbow is inside you, right? That rainbow uh, isn't out there. A phenomenon is out there, but your experience of the rainbow is inside you. When you have faith, God, part of God, is inside you, and they call that part the Holy Spirit. It is completely God, but it is only one of the, the three parts of God. And and through that Holy Spirit, you are now in communication from the outside, and you get gifts. You get gifts of of virtue uh, that grow by your interaction with God through prayer and through communication with God. They're studying Scripture in all these different ways. So you understand that that there's, you're not just in your head. It's not just thoughts whirling around in your head and bouncing off your body. Uh, it is something that is ever new and ever changing. And you start to understand when you try to understand where suffering comes from. How can there be a good God and there's evil? You start to think about what God is doing. You grow because new information is coming in. But once you start to explain life in complete Material in completely material terms. Now you're just locked inside your head and inside your body. And this is what starts to happen with people theorizing, having theories about where human nature comes from. And of course, the most successful of these theorists was Sigmund Freud. Uh, It is hard for me, who lived through it, to tell you how powerful, how ubiquitous, uh, how absolutely accepted the theories of Sigmund Freud were. The idea that you were a purely physical creature motivated by sexual desire, by eros, uh, in your relationship with your parents and the the way you worked out that relationship uh, was the way you would react to members of the opposite sex in the future. So you grew up having this desire to marry your mother, to sleep with your mother, and therefore you had to kill your father who was in the way, but you were afraid because your father was more uh, powerful than you, so you repressed this desire for your mother and in repressing it, you then turned it the way that, the healthy way to repress it was to then turn it to another woman, to, to other women instead of your mom. But you wound up marrying someone kind of like your mom. Uh, and that was what you did. And if this this repression and readjustment of your desire didn't go over too well, you ended up being homosexual. Almost. It was almost always that. Uh, but it was something went wrong with you. Maybe you ended up, you know, butchering cats or something like that. Something went wrong with you. If this this redirection of your desire uh, didn't pan out, it didn't didn't work for you. So now, since Freud, this has become uh, this has been disproved basically. In studies, they have shown that it is at least not normative to go around wanting to sleep with your mother and wanting to kill your father. That is not how normal children think. That is not what normal people want. But Freud talked about the fact that repression led to resistance. The same power that repressed your desire for your mother so that you could turn it to other women resisted being unrepressed. So if it went bad and you turned out to be a homosexual, which he regarded as a mental illness, and you went to a doctor, a psychiatrist to try to cure This mental illness. He had to overcome your resistance to the cure because the resistance was your repression of your desire with your mother. So if you said to Freud, you know, I don't want to, have you met my mother? (laughs) I don't want to sleep with my mother. This theory is bull. What Freud would say, and this is what they did say, this is what psychiatrists did say, was, oh, you're only saying that because that's resistance, because of the repression, because you wanna sleep with your mother. You say, no, I don't wanna sleep with your mother. No, you're only saying that because you wanna sleep with your mother. So in other words, you got into this this cycle, this circle. Now, of course, You had to do that, right? You had to defend these theories. First of all, there was no evidence of these theories. I mean, Freud said, I talk to people and I I analyze myself and therefore I know what everybody's thinking. If you read Freud, he's a genius writer. He's a brilliant writer. And he was a genius in many, many ways, but he was also a quack. He had no scientific basis for what he was saying. And most of it, as I say, has been disproved. But once you are in this closed system where it all, it's, everything about you is just your mind interacting with your body, and there's nothing from the outside coming in. There's no extra spirit. There's no Your spirit is not part of anything larger. You're in this cycle, and you're caught in it forever. You know, I recently read a book uh, that I really like. There's a writer named Stephen Greenblatt, and just as full disclosure is my father-in-law was his mentor, though I never met Greenblatt himself. And I love his writing. He's a great literary critic, but he's complete atheist. And so he sometimes misses the most obvious things that writers are saying. So he has a book about Adam and Eve, and he talks about uh, St. Augustine, Augustine of Hippo, who was one of the founding... Uh, fathers of Christianity, one of the guys who absolutely established many of the tenets of the faith and reestablished some of the lost tenets of the faith. And all he talks about when he talks about Augustine is his Oedipal complex for his mother. He talks about the tension between Augustine's mother and father and how she didn't want him to become a sexual creature because his father cheated on her, blah, 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 blah. And he talks about their entire religious experience as being a kind of orgasmic experience between son and uh, mother It's absurd, it is absurd. So, once you're in this system, you can't get out of it. Materialist uh, system explains everything and it basically always has an argument that the reason you disagree with it is because you're in this materialist system. As you know, I never sleep. Even at this moment, though it may seem like it, I'm not sleeping. And that's why I'm so grateful to have a Helix Sleep mattress because I'm awake to enjoy the comfort. Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes us two minutes to complete, matches your body type and sleep preferences to so the perfect mattress for you. And whether you're a side sleeper, hot sleeper, or like me, a no sleeper, with Helix, there's no more confusion and no more compromise. Helix is awesome. You don't need to take my word for it. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired magazine. Helix has been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving sleep. But why listen to them? They probably sleep at night. I'm awake and I can tell you, Helix Sleep is what you want. Go to HelixSleep.com/Clavin. Take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep or lying awake of your life. I took the quiz. I was matched to the Helix Midnight Lux. The Midnight Lux is medium firm and designed for side sleepers, or like me, for non-sleepers who just lie on their sides. Helix mattress. Have a ten-year warranty, or made right in America, and you get to try it out for a hundred nights, risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't like it. But you will right now. Helix is offering up to two hundred bucks off all mattress orders at HelixSleep.com/clavin. Get up to two hundred bucks off at HelixSleep.com/clavin. You can lie awake at night now and think, "I'm so comfortable." How do you spell Clavin? away.
1: <laughs>
0: no now we're talking about how. Uh, powerful this Freudianism was. I want to play three quick clips from horror movies. I was talking before about how I'd been researching Ed Gein, a famous serial killer who uh, basically dug up the bodies of women and killed a couple of women and used their bodies as a costume because he wanted to feel close to his mother, so he seemed like a Freudian uh, creature. This inspired psycho all right so edging inspired psycho and here is the scene at the end of psycho where his uh, norman bates who's been killing women and dressing up as his mother is explained by a psychiatrist
2: he stole her corpse a weighted coffin was buried he hid the body in the fruit cellar even treated it to keep it as well as it would keep and that still wasn't enough she was there But she was a corpse. So he began to think and speak for her. Give her half his life, so to speak. At times, he could be both personalities, carry on conversations. At other times, the mother half took over completely. He was never all Norman. But he was often only mother. And because he was so pathologically jealous of her, He assumed that she was as jealous of him. Therefore, if he felt a strong attraction to any other woman, the mother's side of him would go wild.
0: Complete authority. He is the authority explaining what you've seen in the movie. Now, about 18 years later, Psycho, inspired by Ed Gein, inspires the movie Halloween, in which Donald Pleasence plays the psychiatrist. He describes his first meeting with the serial killer of Halloween, Michael Myers, as a little boy.
2: The Devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil.
0: <laughs> great actor, Donald Pleasance. Now suddenly it's not. It's not the same. Twenty years has gone by. Freud is losing his power, losing his influence, and suddenly they're saying, you know, there is something outside. There's evil. You can be evil. You know, this is the Devil's eyes. All right, so now another, I don't know what it is, 10 years, 10 years go by, and we have another story inspired by Ed Gein, Silence of the Lambs. Remember, Buffalo Bill is killing women and dressing up in their bodies, basically, because he wants to become a, a, a female. So we go to the psychiatrist for the explanation, and the psychiatrist is Hannibal Lecter. Here's what he says. She
4: had an object deliberately inserted into her throat. Now, that hasn't been made public yet. We don't know what it means. Is it a butterfly? Yes, a moth. Just like the one we found in Benjamin Raspail's head an hour ago. Why does he place them there, Doctor?
2: The significance of the moth is change. Caterpillar into chrysalis or pupa. And from thence into beauty. Our belly wants to change
4: too. There's no correlation in the literature between transsexualism and violence. Transsexuals are very passive.
2: a girl. You're so close to the way you're going to catch him. Do you realize that?
0: <laughs> so Now, the psychiatrist is the evil one. Why is he evil? He's a cannibal. He turns people into meat. And essentially, Thomas Harrison is very intentional in the book. You can tell he's actually a very—Harris t- is obviously a very intelligent author, uh, obviously making the point, complains about the fact that the word evil is never used uh, in the story— and he's making the point that psychiatry has turned people into meat. And Buffalo Bill is evil not because he's transgender. He's evil because he thinks that the essence of women is their body outline. He thinks that if he changes his body outline, he will become a woman, like many people are arguing today. And the thing about today is we are in a new set of theories that are exactly the same, materialist theories. The theory that uh, gender is wholly connected, uh, the theory that uh, race is essential, right? And if you are... If you deny that race is essential, you're racist. And if you say that race is essential, you're racist because everything is racist. And you say, well, no, I'm not a racist. Ah, you're saying that because you're a racist. It's the same thing, the same thing. Once you're stuck inside that materialist circle, there is no way out. If you say that all truths are the creation of power and you say, no, I don't believe that. Some things are just true. Yes, that's because you have power and you're exercising your power over me. Even language, even language is simply an instrument of power. So there's no way for us to communicate unless we happen to have special dispensation from our victimhood. If we're a black gay woman who is with one leg, maybe, maybe something we say is true uh, because we are, we don't have the power to fight back. But what you see here in this progress From Psycho to Halloween to Silence of the Lambs is eventually reality comes back. And that is what's happening to the left right now. They took it so far. We were listening because we didn't really understand where it was coming from. We didn't understand this theory that we have no gender. We didn't understand what they were talking about when they said systemic racism. We didn't understand that they had developed a very, very complex, very intricate, very sophisticated system of theories that exclude, exclude the possibility of something coming from the outside that could explode the theory like reality, there is no reality, there is no is, there's only what should be, and if we're not where we should be, then we get to destroy everything that is. This is exactly what they say, it's not me just complaining about it, it is what they say. And what I'm saying is if you watch the progression of these psychiatrists in this movie, you can have hope that the truth does will out. The fact that we live in a world that has meaning, that has another level, that has something that can come into our lives uh, and change it, will return you know i was my life was saved by a psychiatrist i have nothing against psychiatry but after i became healthy It was after I became healthy that I realized that many of the insights I had in psychiatry were false. There were things that just weren't true of me. There were just things that I learned from Freudianism. And I asked myself, well, then why did this guy change my life? How did he save me? How did he cure me? And I realized it was because we loved each other. I loved him like a father, the only father figure I ever had. And he came to love me as as well, I'm quite sure. And because of this father-son relationship, we could have the relationship I didn't have with my father, which is a relationship that represents the relationship you have with God. That's what fathers are there for, that's what mothers are there for too, representing the feminine side of God. It is something outside of ourselves that can, can come into ourselves and change us. Once you're stuck in these materialist theories, you can never change, which is the ultimate uncool. So I've already told you how much I like lying awake on my Helix mattress because it's so comfortable. Well, Helix has now left the bedroom and has started making sofas. They just launched a new company called Allform, and they're already making terrific sofas. What makes an Allform sofa so cool? For starters, it's the easiest way you can customize a sofa using premium materials and at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. You can pick your fabric, the sofa color, the color of the leg, sofa size, and shape to make sure it's perfect for you in your home. They've got armchairs and love seats all the way up to an eight-seat sectional, so there's something for everyone, and you can always start small and buy more seats later on if you want your all-form sofa to grow and change with you when you move. Allform sofas are also delivered directly to your home with fast, free shipping. In the past, if you wanted to order a sofa, it could take weeks and even months to arrive, and you would need someone to come and assemble it in your home. Allform takes just three to seven days to arrive in the mail, and you can assemble it yourself in a few minutes with no tools needed. Allform is offering 20% off all orders for our listeners at allform.com slash allform.com Clavin, and you ask yourself, how, how do you spell Clavin? There are no easy All right, we've got Jenna Ellis coming up. We are going to have a fiery but mostly peaceful conversation about Governor DeSantis and Disney in Florida. But first, let's talk about fiery but mostly peaceful by Julio Rosas. At The Daily Wire, we've started our own publishing wing called DW Books, and we're proud to publish books that actively fight the left's monopoly on storytelling, like fiery but mostly peaceful, the 2020 riots and the gaslighting of America by Julio Rosas. In it, Rosas exposes the Black Lives Matter riots that broke out across the country in the aftermath of George Floyd's death for the sham that they were. Rosas, who is reporting from the ground, gives his firsthand experience and illuminates the media's attempt to convince Americans that the fatal and destructive riots were peaceful. Check out this trailer.
5: The media gaslit the American people for all of 2020 as the riots unfolded. They did not give you the full story. I was there. Philip Floyd, Kyle Rittenhouse, Shard Books, Chaz in Seattle. I saw all the riots with my own eyes. Windshields being smashed, giant rocks that were being thrown, businesses that were starting to be looted. The crowd started to become hostile. All the cops were trapped and surrounded. Police were being ordered to, to retreat. I experienced the, the tear gas. I experienced the smoke. This was very real to me. The mainstream media, they were trying to call them protests. CNN with that Chiron saying, fiery but mostly peaceful. They're trying to push a narrative of don't believe your lying eyes because they were trying to appease a very dedicated Antifa movement that's there. When you read my book, Fiery But Mostly Peaceful, you will get the full story. You will learn what actually happened during the riots of 2020 and what the media did not want to tell you. Buy my book, Fiery But Mostly Peaceful, everywhere books are sold.
0: Some, that's some footage there for peaceful riots. Fiery But Mostly Peaceful by Julio Rosas is available for pre-order on Amazon or anywhere you buy books online. So go pre-order your copy today. All right, I've been looking forward to this conversation all week long. You all know Jenna Ellis. She is a constitutional law attorney, uh, Newsmax con- contributor. She has a great show, The Jenna Ellis Show, which you can find at the, Jen- the Jenna Ellis com. But you may not know that she is also the most evil person in the universe, which you would have found out if you had been reading. Twitter, and you saw what happened when Jenna said that uh, Governor of Florida DeSantis had overstepped the mark in taking stripping Disney of its special status in Florida in response to their complaints about uh, his parental rights bill, and also, the, I guess, the Chris Rufo tapes that showed there were a bunch of grooming uh, psychopaths trying to destroy our children <laughs> through, through their cartoons. But Jenna was afraid for free speech, which I am always an argument I'm always very sympathetic about. They just ripped into you Jenna. it was I, I was embarrassed for them. Some of them I mean, one of them was calling not only you a groomer, they were calling Jeremy the god king, a groomer, which I thought was a big mistake. They don't know that you know he can give them diseases just by thinking about it. you know he's only a, a mi- <laughs> you know he's a minor g a, a lower g god king, but still he has some powers, you know.
4: Huh? Right. Well, Drew, thanks so much for having this conversation because a lot of people, I think, are confused on the issue. And uh, yeah, they, it's it's amazing that I'm getting hate now for uh, this side because I'm used to getting a ton of hate for <laughs> having defended President Trump. So I'm used to being called the most evil person in the world, and that's okay. It's just that this now is something conservatives don't like instead of something the leftists don't like. Right, so exactly. uh, You know, this is where free speech absolutely matters. And kind of the point of this whole thing is that government Government cannot retaliate, government cannot retaliate against an individual or entity based on the content or viewpoint of that speech. Now, okay, wait, individuals- wait, before,
0: before we before we get into the argument, because I, I told you I disagree with you on this and we're going to talk about both sides. Of it, but explain exactly to people, remind people exactly what happened so they know what we're talking about exactly.
4: Yeah. And the timeline here is so important okay. uh, because the first thing that happened, of course, was the parental rights in education bill, which I think you and I agree with, is a very good piece of legislation. Yep. Uh, that's not strong that enough
0: in, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah.
4: Yeah. And that said that parent, parents actually have a right to know what's going on in children's yeah. classrooms and among a lot of other things. So, uh, so you and I agree that that's very good policy. For some reason, the Walt Disney Company does not agree with that. And so they issued a statement saying, basically, we, Are opposed to the quote unquote don't say gay bill, which of course is a distraction from the issue. And they even said that they'll use their time and resources to oppose that legislation. Then the parental rights and education bill went through anyway. The state of Florida won. DeSantis signed it. That's all well and good. That's how politics work. That's how policy works. Uh, We can debate all of these ideas. But then Ron DeSantis and the state of Florida stepped over the line because, in retaliation, for disney saying that they oppose the parental rights and education bill then there was a new bill that came forward that is going to strip the disney company of its special district and take away some of these tax exemptions and there have been a number of legislators and ronda santis has even fundraised off of this to say that just because disney opposed the parental rights and education bill they are now going to retaliate for that conduct that's the part of it that i disagree with because if it's anybody else in a blue state that comes after a conservative individual or company for opposing let's say a uh, an abortion bill that restricts abortion uh, to uh, to at the moment of conception and a company like say chick-fil-a says we are opposed uh, to this bill or we're for this bill and they make a political statement and then a blue state says well we're coming after you and we are going to take away some of your right we're going to retaliate against you because of the content of your speech now it doesn't matter if Disney's entitled to their special special district or not what matters is that this was adverse action specifically in retaliation for exercising a constitutionally protected right that's what I have a problem with
0: well for first- of all, I mean, the thing that we, I think we completely agree on, we both completely agree that free speech is the first freedom. Without it, you don't have anything, uh, that we have to protect it. And that both people on the right, well, people on the left don't care, but people on the right can get so angry that they jeopardize, they forget what's going to happen when the power is turned around. And we both agree with that. And I think we both agree. I mean, I, at this point, when I saw, this is more a reaction to the Chris Rufo tapes of, People within Disney saying, yes, we are explicitly uh, putting sexualized content in our cartoons for young people. And Walt Disney himself is to be rolling over in his refrigerator or wherever they've got him uh, because, I mean, that's – it's. It, completely antithetical to everything Disney was created for, everything that made us love Disney, everything that made it the big corporation that it is. So I think we both, but we both agree that this is kind of hair-raising and awful, right? I mean...
4: Oh, absolutely. uh, And that's something very clear that I am not in any way okay with that type of content. I'm opposed to Disney's statement, but I agree with their right to create, unfortunately, unsavory content. That's part of... A protection in the First Amendment as well. I mean, unfortunately, even uh, pornography is protected speech and protective creative content when it gets to crossing a criminal line. Like if there are people who have taken actions that say work for Walt Disney, they can be arrested and prosecuted. If this is actual child abuse or child pornography, we have criminal laws against that. But what we should never have is government retaliating because they don't like the content that Disney is producing.
0: So here's here's my problem. Well, there's a couple, I mean, this is another argument, but I'm not sure pornography is protected speech or should be, but, but still let's forget about that for a minute. Well,
4: but, the Supreme court has said it, that it is. They, so, I mean, I'm, oh, I'm oh, going all right.
0: based on So, it. so here's, here's my problem with this, that a, a corporation is a person is treated like a person and has a person's rights. It seems to me that that's true as long as it is behaving like a person. And when Hobby Lobby's right, uh, Hobby Lobby, is that what it's called? Lobby, Hobby, Hobby, <laughs> that when, when their right to not uh, partake of the, uh, um, uh, of the contraceptive mandate in Obamacare, uh, that they, that right was protected. And the Supreme Court said because it's a family-owned company, because they have acted like a Christian person, essentially, their right is protected. But what bothers me about this is a corporation t- taking the special district, and it's almost like the Vatican. They have their own government. They have their own zoning codes. They have everything. It seems to me that they are now no longer a person. No one has ever said to, to me, you know, Clavin, if you come to Florida, everybody will be so much happier. There will be more wisdom. Women will walk around with a gleam in their eye, all of which is true. And no one has ever said, so, Clavin, we're not going to give you a tax break. You can zone your own house. You can do whatever you want. So now the corporation is saying we are— a special entity, an entity that has rights no person has, but we have the rights of a person. And that doesn't seem right to me. It seems to me that you could go before the Supreme Court and say, no, wait, this is something that government gave them. It gave them this right. It's a a right that is used essentially to get around tax laws, uh, not just for the corporation, but for the state, so they can tax more in this special place without its being state taxes. I don't understand why the government that that's not a god-given right. I don't understand no, why No, it's the, not. I why, agree with I you don't that. understand why the government has to say as long as you're acting like a person, like Hobby Lobby, which is a Christian company acting with Christian rules so you can do Christian things. But you're not but Disney is not acting like a person here. It's acting like a massive international corporation, which is what it is. And then to say, "Oh, but we have the rights of a person," doesn't make sense to me.
4: Well, so I think that we're now talking about two different things because uh, where is the line of uh, personhood in re- with respect to a corporation, because if Disney is speaking and they're saying we as a company are opposed to this legislation, that, in my view, is not different than Hobby Lobby objecting to a specific uh, government mandate or other legislation in the sense that they have a moral position. And that's what Disney has expressed. Now, I disagree with their moral position. In fact, no. I think it is immoral. But in terms of the special district, if um, if very isolated. Florida wanted to say, Disney, we are recontemplating your special district. We don't think this is good for X and Y reasons as it relates to the tax exemption status of the state of Florida, fine. That's an entirely separate conversation, but when they choose to say that because Disney is exercising their right to constitutionally protected speech, now our retaliation is against this special district, their retaliation could have come in any form. They could have said, we're shutting down the Magic Kingdom. They could have said, we are going to not issue a special permit. There are actually first amendment retaliation cases that show very clearly that even if it is a special permit like for a building and the government is rescinding that simply based on the contractor or the construction or you as a private individual if you go to florida you get a special permit to build a daily wire complex and fun park on your land and then the state of florida says well We don't really like that, um, you know, Jimmy the Walrus as a book is, is out here because we think that's a little too controversial. So we're not going to give you a special permit for that reason. That then would be unconstitutional.
0: But but see, what DeSantis said, and it's it's Johnny the walrus, please. This is a- <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm already I'm misnaming and misgendering. <laughs> yeah.
4: the
0: you're misda- you're misgendering lesson. the walrus. <laughs> <laughs> um, DeSantis said, look, I am tired of of, Flor- of companies coming to Florida because we have essentially Republican tax codes and Republican low regulation and then trying to impose California culture on us. And and so he is saying that he's taking this uh, assault from Disney as an attempt to change the culture as a corporation and saying we're not going to treat you like the Disney company you were, on top of which, by the way, those Rufo tapes, they, they got this special district. They got this special district because they're Disney. They got the special district because we trust them. We trust them with our children because they made great content. They're not that company anymore. So I don't understand why he can't say the way you are behaving has taken away the the rights you had to this special privilege. And again, it's not it's not the same thing as as somebody coming to my house or to my business, like they do in New York, if you go up against the mayor you're in New a York. private individual. You, no, but yes, but I'm acting as a private individual. And when the corporation acts like a private individual, they can be protected as a private individual. So in New York, here, they come in, and they, the they, they that, send the health code in, the health uh, guy inspectors in, and they say you're off code, and they shut down your business to get you back.
4: But not because of viewpoint discrimination. And here's the thing, Drew. Government in the United States is not the vehicle to be the culture change. But because government when, gave them this, this special district. But, but go, yeah, yeah, but not for the purpose of being a culture changer. They gave them the, the special district for the purpose of helping the state of Florida get a lot of revenue. It was for a purely government reason. It wasn't because they agreed or disagreed with viewpoint content. And so when Ron DeSantis is standing up and saying, we're going against the woke because I want to be a culture changer. That's not the purpose of government in America. The purpose of government in America is to create the best ideal environment for everyone to exercise their God-given rights. But, we but still, in this country limit government power. They, if Ron DeSantis wants to be a culture changer, get out of the governorship and go do that as a private citizen or better yet, as a pastor. Well, the church and the family least, are the culture I,
0: I, I really disagree with this. I think that the, gov- the governor of a state has a right has does have a right. He's not the federal government, he's not the federal government. He's not specifically targeted by the First Amendment. He is is the governor of a state and states have different cultures and can make different laws. But-
4: the First Amendment applies to the states through the Incorporation Clause of the 14th Amendment. No, I is, understand that, but, so, I, but I'm So still this st- isn't a federal versus state issue. So let's not get distracted by that. No, but, but to, when you say he hasn't
0: here, got the right to affect the culture, I don't agree with that. I think he, I, he- He doesn't
4: have the power to affect the culture in the way that he does. Because governments don't have rights, they have powers. And we limit powers in America and we limit that because government cannot either give a benefit or especially retaliate and infringe on the basis of agreeing or disagreeing with a viewpoint. And as soon as we say that that is okay in government, we have lost American freedom. We have lost liberty because everyone has the same right to participate in the public square and in politics without fear of government retaliating. Now you and me as private individuals, we can take uh, legal steps the things that are legal and lawful uh, to exercise our right to participate. We can cancel Disney+, Plus. we can sell our stock, we can speak out against them, we can do all kinds of things that government cannot do. All
0: right, well, I, I have to say that I, 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 even though you're making an argument that is dear to my heart, I mean, I understand what you're saying and where you're coming from, and I, I absolutely, uh, it's a close call to me, and I, like I said, Jeremy agrees with you. Uh, I, I cannot agree with this because I just don't think, they can't come after me, they can't come after a business, you know, that takes away from them something that every other business has because that's treating them like an individual and violating their individual rights. But it seems to me they can come after them if they have something special that was given to them by government. But, but, you've made your case very clearly, and I mind and there's a second argument I want to make here again. Politics isn't beanbag. It isn't, it, you know, politics is, is a tough sport. The Obama administration targeted um, the Tea Party f- through the IRS, and when they were caught, you know, Obama said, oh, this is horrifying, heads will roll, nothing, nothing happened to anybody. They have they went after Hobby Lobby, they've come after a bunch of different places um, to to shut down free speech. I mean, they're all about shutting down free speech, that's almost all they do. Now, I, I believe that we should not fight as dirty as the left, because then we become the left, but I think we should fight dirty enough to destroy the left, because I think they really are bad folks doing bad things. And in this case, DeSantis has some cover because he's saying, the, you know because A, because they're in a special district, they have a right that was given to them by government, not by God. B, because he can say, well, it's not, it's not really about this, it's just about the fact that they're ruining our culture here in, in Florida and we don't love them anymore. Even if he loses that in court, and what's really, what's really happening here, he shut them up. They have shut up. Now Walt Disney has gone quiet. There was an article in the Wall Street Journal saying they've gone quiet about this. And one of the reasons they went quiet about this is because they called up, they have their lobbyists, they called up the uh, the Republican administrators, and the Republicans said, listen, just shut up, and this is going to go away.
4: Isn't that the definition of chilling speech? And shouldn't that scare us, that that's the that is actually how Disney is responding, because Ron DeSantis did win in that instance. And it shouldn't matter, because the constitutionally protected right here is not the right to have a special district. Here, it's the right to exercise free speech. And when Ron DeSantis is saying we're going after them because they're woke, that is not okay for a government to do that. But and he- so they, that is absolutely proving the point that the chilling of speech is happening because the government is retaliating. So,
0: so, but, but my my point about this is that what they're fight they're fighting them on a territory that is not human territory. It is not a person's territory. The right of a special district does not exist for a person. And so, I don't understand why. In other words, these guys want it both ways. It's just like it's just like regulation two thirty. That came from the government. And suddenly, when I say we should get rid of it if it's uh, hurting the culture of free speech in this country, because the government, after all, is there also to protect our speech, right? It's there to protect Mm -hmm. our speech. So if 230 is hurting the the culture of speech, get rid of it. It was given by government, get rid of it. Let the government get rid of it. Here again, it seems to me that Disney is playing a double game. They're saying, we want the rights of a corporation, but we also want the rights of a person. And it seems to me you can only have one of those.
4: You can have both, because a corporation in this instance is a person, but we've had that conversation. Related to Section 230, that's a little bit different of a legal argument, because Section 230 is a liability protection for platforms that that are amplifying freedom of speech, and that is the reason, uh, because there has been so much censorship, that's the reason that government wants to take away a liability protection. And having that conversation, not targeted just to Twitter, not targeted just to uh, Jack Dorsey, or now, elon musk for having a viewpoints and saying as the ceo of this company or as a statement of this company here is what we think on a certain moral issue okay. and then the government retaliating because of a specific constitutionally protected exercise of free speech. So we have to make sure that we're analyzing this appropriately and that also we aren't playing the hypocritical game because Hobby Lobby sued and won in the Supreme Court. The conservatives are all up in arms when it's a a blue state that's retaliating against a corporation for exercising free speech. So why are we okay with Ron DeSantis doing
0: it? They they won because they acted like the company acted like a religious person. These th- these guys are risking something that it's no person has. It's still protected
4: speech. It's still <laughs> protected speech, and it's still and and so and and what if Hobby Lobby that had a similarly uh, had a tax benefit, would you have been okay if they had a tax benefit because they were a religious company or for whatever reason they were given that special privilege and the leftists said, because you chose to speak out against contraception and oppose this mandate, we're now removing your special you status. Know,
0: the Wall Street Journal had a great line. They said, live by the corporate carve-out, die by the corporate carve-out. <laughs> and I think that, you know, I'm, I don't like the fact that these guys get carve-outs to begin with, so I'm not that and that's a, That's
4: a whole great conversation whether or not this is crony capitalism so, so your, your or other thing special district that's a different conversation your
0: argument is he can take it away but he can't take it away for this reason yes uh i don't know that's a bit pretty Absolutely. really okay okay i mean Absolutely. see it just seems to me like a special privilege that you know you got from the government and you can lose it to the government it's not like your free speech rights which are given by god and the government can't touch them this is something. The fact
4: is- of this is chilling of speech, which is exactly what you said. What happened in this case, and that's why First Amendment retaliation jurisprudence specifically has one of the elements is that uh, the retaliation and the adverse action was at least in part motivated by the exercise of constitutionally of a constitutionally protected right, and that's what's happening here. So, if Desantis did this at any other time for any other lawful reason. He'd be okay in removing the special district.
0: All right, I have to stop. I'm out of time. I'm sorry. I f- we forgot to call each other names, and I wanted you to right, feel at me. home. You know. <laughs> anyway, well, it's I great. You make you it, make your yeah. arguments extre- with ex- extremely well. You make your arguments extremely well. I still can't buy it, but I, I get what you're saying, and I know you're. Sa- I know why you're saying it, and you're saying it for all the right reasons. And uh, anybody, you. anybody, um, you know, calls you names, I'm going to have Jeremy put a curse on him. He can do that.
4: Thank you. I appreciate that so much and always grateful to have the conversation. This is why we protect free speech so that we can disagree. And ultimately, if you don't agree with me, we'll still be friends. I still love you so much. Always happy to come on and have these debates.
0: Thank you. Likewise. I'll talk to you soon.
4: Sounds good. Thanks.
0: All right, if you are beginning to see a spiral swirling around you, that's not a hallucination. That is really there. That is you being sucked down into the Claven- Clavenless Week. <laughs> it's being flushed down into the Clavenless Week. But before we get there, luckily I'm going to solve all your problems or so you're going to disappear into the darkness with no problems whatsoever because it's time for the mailbag. Woo! Putin's kleptocracy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah! That was a great cut. I'm sorry we didn't play that. Today, that was uh, Joe Biden trying to say kleptocracy. All right, uh, from Jay, Dear Lord Clavin, high expositor of the multiverse, I've always considered myself a religious person, but lately I've come to question one of the church's teachings, uh, specifically the prohibition on premarital sex. I've maintained my uh, virginity until now, but I'm 38 years old. I very much want a family. Up until now, my love life has been abysmally, abysmally sparse, having spoken to many people and having listened and read much advice. I've come to understand that many women view a man's sexual performance and his willingness to ask for sex as a measure of how attractive he is to other women, and that sexual performance is a selection criteria in and of itself. At my age, I fear I'm running out of time to start a family, and I don't want to handicap myself any more than I already have. Is it worth sleeping around where I can to find a woman who's right for me? Does God value my having a family more than he values my chastity? Sincerely lucky in loneliness." Um, (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's not, none of my business how you live your sexual life, uh, but it has nothing to do with your problem. Um, yeah, you know, there are women uh, who value chastity, and you can find them if you're looking for them. This whole thing about... <clears throat> Women uh, viewing a man's sexual performance and his willingness to ask for sex as a measure of how attractive he is to other women—I uh, I, don't—I don't know anything about that. I'm sure that that—that uh, that maybe that's true of some women, uh, but I don't think it is true of women in general. I think women are quite good, uh, smart women, decent women are quite good at uh, seeing into personal uh, personalities. Um, so, really, I think that what you should be doing is. A, you should be going places where you can find women who value chastity, which would include churches uh, and groups of, of people like that, online groups, uh, maybe people your relatives know that they can introduce you to. Uh, but also, you should be looking at yourself and asking yourself, why is it so hard for you to find a woman? I mean, first of all, are you in shape? Uh, do you take care of yourself? Or is, is your grooming any good? Do you get a haircut every now and again? Do you like know how to uh, take care of yourself so that you can go out in the world and not be repelled? Uh, to people. And, you know, is your, how is your behavior as a, as a human being to other human beings? Because one of the things, women do prefer human beings. It's just one of those species, you know, bigoted species things that women are, you know, fall into. Uh, but but still, you know, you want to act like a human being. It has nothing to do with whether you value chastity or not. I mean, if you didn't value chastity, you could find women who didn't. If you do, you can find women who do. Uh, it is just that you have to be somebody uh, that they're going to want to be with. And I think maybe you should ask Ask yourself why that's not happening. I'm not saying it's your fault, because I don't know you, I, but I am saying that what you are saying is not true, is not the, is not the reason, and maybe you should look around for other reasons. Uh, From Ryan, Uh, my question involves my 30-year-old brother. Recently, he made large and extremely risky investments in the stock market out of feelings of desperation and being financially behind his peers, which I don't think he was. Uh, Over the course of two weeks, he lost more than $150,000, representing about two-thirds of his wealth. It's a devastating financial loss for someone so young, and he is absolutely crushed. My question is, what is the best way for me to help my brother? For context, I'm three years old, a Catholic, a husband, father, homeowner, and lawyer, uh, my brother has a job but lives with our parents and has never been in a relationship. I'm encouraging him to go to therapy and pray, but my suggestions are falling on deaf ears. At the same time, I recognize that this is not necessarily my battle to fight. Thank you for your two cents and all the work you put into your show. You have quickly become my favorite host of Daily Wire. Sincerely, the recovering Democrat, a Daily Wire all-access member. Well, thank you for being an all-access member. Uh, yeah, you know, th- th- this is a bigger problem than money. I mean, if if he's 30 uh, and he had uh, $150,000 was two-thirds of his wealth, he obviously had over $200,000 in savings, which I think is pretty good for a 30-year-old. So why is he living at home? Uh, that Speaks to me, and then why is he panicking uh, and and throwing away that money? It speaks to me of something. Uh, you're right about to be concerned about his mental health. Uh, that speaks to me of some mental health problem. Uh, I'd like to know why he's living at home. It'd be interesting. Why can't he take care of himself if he can earn that much money? I mean, if you have uh, two hundred thousand dollars in the bank and you're working and you're earning money, then you can certainly live outside your, of your home. So I, what I would what I would say to you is that. Um, I think it's, it's a good idea to encourage him to go to therapy and pray, but he may not do it and you may not have any power in this situation. I think you should talk to your parents and find out why they're allowing him to live at home and what is the, what exactly is the situation. I think you need a clearer idea of the situation that he's in because it doesn't sound to me like, oh, I made an investment and I lost a bunch of money, which could happen to anybody. Uh, it sounds to me like the guy has got an, uh, some other bigger problem than that and the money is simply a symptom of that. And I think you ought to Think about that, but understand what you say is true. Do not let yourself or your family be harmed by his problems. This is not your problem to solve. If you can help, uh, if you can encourage him to go to therapy, uh, that's great. If you nag him about it, it's not going to get you anywhere. If you can talk to your parents and see if you can get a clearer picture of what's going on, that's great. But it may not help you. You may not have any power in this regard at all. And he may just have a problem that can't be solved also, uh, a mental problem. Uh, Tyler, Lord Clavin, my wife and I were married last May. We were lucky enough to get pregnant on our honeymoon, uh, but the pregnancy failed due to a chromosomal disorder. We were devastated, but then in the fall, we were happy to get pregnant again. Uh, Out of the blue in February, my wife nearly went into preterm labor. She bravely decided she would remain on bed rest and was able to get to 22 weeks before our beautiful baby girl, Ava, was born. She only lived for a few minutes. Ah, That's heartbreaking. Uh, we're both Christians, but have a hard time finding God's meaning in this. Can you give us our understanding of our situation? Well, no. Uh, you know, I can't give you the meaning of the situation because it's, it's free. That's not how it works. It, there's no philosophical meaning. Uh, or if there is a philosophical meaning, you're going to have to find it. And the way you find it is by prayer and by bringing this to God in your anger, in your grief. Uh, and your horror and your misunderstanding and finding out what God wants you to make of this. And that doesn't necessarily mean, oh, you start a fund to deal with this kind of disorder or anything like that. Uh, It might be that. It might well be that. But it may just be uh, that your grief is going to make you uh, something more than you are now. I think that that is probably true. I always say grief is a desert that has to be crossed on foot, but you cross it with your eye on the North Star, which is God, even when you're angry with him, even when you hate him. He's got the baby. The baby's gonna be with him and be all right. But you will find meaning. You will find meaning by following God across that desert of grief. My heart breaks for you, pal. From Adam, dear not quite Jesus, uh, the Lord of the multiverse watching you over the years has helped me learn to think deeply while still living in the real world. Uh, I don't have a question. I just wanted you to know that you've changed my life for the better more than once. I've been married for 18 years, and it would have ended three years ago if not for the answer you gave me the last time I wrote in. Uh, now my marriage and my life has never been so stable or so full of joy. That's great. To, I, that, well, I'm glad. I'm going to end, I'm gonna end the, this show with that. It is mostly thanks to Jesus, but you helped too. <laughs> and then, you see, that was so nice. And then you ruin it all. By saying, "P.S. You are hilarious, but Walsh is the funniest Daily Wire host," which makes me feel that you haven't been truly saved. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I mean, you were almost there. You were almost there, but no. Uh, that's sim- it's just simply factually untrue. Check your facts. Check your facts. I'm much funnier than Matt Walsh. All right, I'm going <laughs> to stop there. I'm going to stop there. Some some good news and some bad news in that uh, mailbag. But, as always, my answers are guaranteed 100% correct and will change your life. Will they change your life for the better? No. (laughs) Who knows? They're not going to change your life for the better because life is over. The Clavenless Week has arrived you're now plunging like just just swirling and swirling down into an unfathomable blackness of despair uh, there will be wailing there'll be gnashing of teeth broken glass fires you know you know the drill you know you know you've been through it before most of you will not survive those of you who do survive come back again on Friday and i will be here i will still be andrew Clavin, and this will still be the andrew Clavin show Hey, if you enjoyed this episode and want to spread the word, give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe, too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, basically wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, remember to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Walsh Show, and The Michael Knoll Show. Thank you for listening. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Lisa Bacon, executive producer Jeremy Boring, our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Production manager Pavel Wadowski. Editor and associate producer Danny D'Amico. Our audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Hair and makeup is done by Cherokee Hart. Our production coordinator is McKenna Waters. And our production assistant is Jacob Falosh. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production, Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Hey there, this is John Bickley,
3: Daily Wire Editor-in-Chief and co-host of Morning Wire. On today's episode, the White House announces a new disinformation board, the economy unexpectedly declines, and the Homeland Security Secretary comes under fire on Capitol Hill. Join us and get the facts first on the news you need to know with our show, Morning Wire.